Welcome back to part two of the top 30, the big board reveal 1.0, the almost all freshman first year draft prospects. Last time we had Chris Murray. So the top 15 here, 15 to one will have nothing but freshmen or first year players that are draft eligible for the first time. Let's go ahead and get started right about now. Before I continue to list, I just wanted to highlight a game that just happened today. I'm recording on November 21st, and currently it is 5.49 p.m. in Tucson, Arizona. And the Maui Invitational is going on. Arkansas played Louisville, beat them pretty bad. Anthony Black finally had his breakout game. I profiled Anthony Black at number 20 in part one of the top 30. Somebody that I really fell in love with over the summer, though. Love his game, love the passing, love all the little things that he contributes on the court that can help winning. But the scoring was always going to be the thing. The jump shot was the big question. Well, today he had 26 points on 9 of 11 shooting. He was able to drain three out of five three-pointers and was perfect from the line, five for five, while dishing out six assists and four turnovers. Fantastic game by Anthony Black. Hopefully this is a turnaround point, and if he keeps playing like this, definitely will be back in the lottery. Speaking of Arkansas, at number 15 on 15 through number one is Anthony Black's teammate Jordan Walsh, listed at six foot seven, 205 pounds. He and the next guy on the list are kind of in this weird spot of sometimes we start, sometimes we get major minutes, sometimes we don't. Jordan Walsh tonight, I believe, scored seven points in Maui with two of six from the field. Two of five from the three-point range, so that's good. Two assists, two rebounds, and one steal. And this is more where Walsh is at. Is he'll contribute in a bunch of different ways, but what his exact offensive role is yet hasn't quite been ironed out. Um, not really a shooter quite yet. Not really somebody that puts the ball on the deck, but can do those things a little. What Jordan Walsh is, is relentless and maybe the top trash talker in this NBA draft. If you watch him, he definitely gets under people's skins. He's always jawing. He's always hyped and is a really good defender. Six foot seven, 205. You might not think much, but man, this guy is lanky and really understands how to use that lankiness to his advantage to frustrate people on the defensive end. Also, really good in transition. At the film that I watched over the summer on him, that was the main thing that I was really impressed by was not only just running in transition, but also the way he's able to see the court, whether it was, oh, I'm going to Euro step and dunk through this lane or, oh, I see my teammate open and I'm going to get him the ball right on time. 
really knows how to understand understand how to attack and transition. Really good defender. It's just what's the exact offensive role? Will he be able to put the ball into that deck more? Will he be able to shoot it consistently from deep, only scoring 8.7 points per game right now? So hopefully those numbers will go up. Like I said, the next guy on the list at number 14 is in a similar kind of boat when that's Chris Livingston at Kentucky. I probably have him higher than most people do. This is right at the end of the lottery. Livingston is listed at 6'6", 220 pounds. Maybe not quite as athletic as Walsh, but not that far off either. Was uh, somebody who was the third wheel kind of at Oak Hill, the guards really kind of took the main offensive roles there, and he was more on the side and kind of didn't really figure out his role a lot of times. And unfortunately, that seems to be the case at Kentucky right now only playing 15.2 minutes per game in the five games they played so far. He started three games, didn't start the other two. Shooting splits look okay right now, though. 50% from two-point range, 33.3% from three, and then 83.3% from the free throw line. He's just somebody that I buy into a lot because of the cow clamps as well. If you go back and listen to that episode, please, you will know why. These guys at Kentucky, Cal just seems to get them prepared and they all end up coming in the league better than where they produce because they're stuck in a role normally behind seniors and upperclassmen like an Antonio Reeves and like a Severe Wheeler who are in front of Chris Livingston right now. But six foot six, 220 does profile as somebody that can be three and D at least and might have some more in his bag that he just hasn't been able to show when he's shown to put the ball on the deck he does have a solid handle the passing i am uncertain about just because he hasn't been placed in a role where he's really been asked to create a lot but will throw down a dunk out of nowhere at times and you just kind of forget that he can do that because he hasn't been given a lot of opportunities chris livingston at number 14 is somebody i would buy into as having more than what he's been able to show so far at least three and D potential. At number 13 is maybe the most surprising guy out of this freshman class, and that's University of Michigan's Jet Howard. Go blue. I am a Michigan alum, so hopefully that won't cloud my judgment here. But I think 13 is a good place to start because we did know that Jet Howard is a shooter, but what he has been able to show as one of the leaders on this Michigan team on offense, I mean, Kellen Voss put it best. Um, Kellen Voss writes for Maze and Blue. He's been on the show before, a great friend of the show so definitely go support his work but he's like you know jet howard is what we thought caleb houston was supposed to be right now jet howard in five games is averaging 14.4 points per game shooting 62.5 percent from two 41.2 percent from three and 71.4 percent on the on the free throw line 2.8 assists to 1.2 turnovers. That's the most surprising thing to me is the way that Jet has been able to pass the ball. 14 assists to just six turnovers plays way beyond his years. You wouldn't think he was a freshman the way that he's come in. We have Kobe Bufkin, who's an upperclassman, Terrence Williams, and then Jalen Llewellyn, who was the transfer point guard. 
These are the guys that are looking at Jet now to create, to do other things. And again, six foot eight, 215. This is somebody that has mismatch advantage size with that passing, with that shooting, can play either forward position. Maybe he can move over to shooting guard in the NBA. That's, again, really versatile, able to handle a bunch of different spots. Defensively, I'm not quite sure yet what Jet is going to be on that end, but we will definitely see that as Big Ten play goes and we go further on down the line. And with Jawan Howard's track record of being able to coach up guys and get them right in a bunch of different fundamental ways, I definitely buy into Jet Howard not being a negative on the defensive end, at least. And of the 3 and D, like the people that are just going to profile as 3 and D, Jet might have the biggest upside because of that passing and because of the offensive load he's already able to carry. That Yeah, this is somebody that is more than just 3 and D already, so we should start thinking of him as maybe not a prime primary creator but supplementary like a number two somebody maybe in the mold of like a Tobias Harris again that's not an NBA comp I'm just saying the role that he would be playing in the NBA would be something like that at the very minimum just because of what he's already been able to show with his shot creation ability along with the shooting and the passing that he's been able to display at number 12 is somebody that I'm probably the lowest on of any draft people around and that's Brandon Miller I know, I know if you're a draft head, you're probably like wanting to jump through the podcast or speaker and punch me in the face. But hear me out. First, Brandon Miller is scoring 20.3 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, and then shooting splits of 47.6 from two, 51.7. He's on fire from three, and then 80% from the free throw line, and the three point numbers. Are bonkers. He's taking 7.3 attempts from deep per game. The totals on that right now are 21 total in four games. And then five, he's going to line five times per game. That's also high, especially for college. 2.3 assists to 1.8 turnovers. That to me is more concerning with Brendan Miller. I know he's going to score. He is a great scorer. It just seems to come natural to him. But number one, if you're going to be able to have the ball in your hands that much, passing is always something that I look to. 15.1% assist percentage, not bad. 10.5 turnover rate, that's good. Those are at least positive indicators. But to me, if I'm going to have somebody that's going to score this much and I want to turn my offense over to, like a lot of people are saying top five, I would like the passing to be better than that. Um, not to say that it's bad. I just would like it to be at a higher level than this. And maybe that's something that's irons out. So I'm like, maybe, yeah, I should be in top five. But defensively, I have no idea what Brandon Miller is going to be in the NBA. I've seen him listed at 200 pounds consistently just about everywhere. But I've seen him listed 6'8", 6'9". I don't know if he's a power forward. He's obviously pulling in a lot of rebounds right now, 9.3 boards per game. But he's really not that athletic either vertically or horizontally, if that makes sense. Like you don't really see him slide his feet and defend people in space. You don't see him get up and have this great bounce either as a finisher or as a shot blocker. So that's the part that concerns me again. And I mean, that's probably just me too, being the Detroit fan that I am. Defense is always something that I really look into. But at six foot eight, six foot nine, then again, this is somebody that's going to be lined up against small forward power forwards and as we said before with a couple different other prospects this is like lebron Kawhi, 
Giannis territory. And if this is our primary scorer, then we're going to have to bring in a couple other people to fill that defensive role where somebody at his size should be filling instead. So I I just don't know. I I don't have great confidence in Brandon Miller beyond scoring. Yes, he can score a ton of points, but I don't really know about him as a passer. I want that to be a better. And the defense is concerning as well. And then last thing on him in terms of scoring too, they've only played four games. So again, take this with a grain of salt, but Miller has shot two of nine. He's taken nine attempts in the paint and he only has been able to sink two of them. That's 22.2%. And he's seven of nine at the rim, which is 77.8% good. But the more concerning part to me is there are no, like he's barely taking any attempts there from two-point range. He's taken 29 attempts from three, and he's taken it from everywhere in the on three-point land, from both sides in the corners, from everywhere beyond the arc. His mid-range game is non-existent. He's only taken shots from the right base. Baseline. He is zero of zero from everywhere else in the mid-range. And again, if this is somebody that is going to profile as a primary scorer, you have to be able to show that you can create in a bunch of different areas, and especially the finishing. I go back to the athleticism. This is where with the scoring, if the athleticism limits him from finishing, and if he is not able to create and do something else, whether it's a runner, a floater, a mid-range pull-up or something else, then again, I, I just can't buy into that kind of a profile that'll be something to look into further as we go along can he do anything else beyond shoot threes and there in the paint because as a main scorer you got to be able to do more things than that and then at number 11 is somebody that I really like and is one of my favorites is Kaysen Wallace. I'm sure he's the favorite of many a draft nerd out there too, like myself. Kaysen Wallace is listed at six foot four, 195 pounds. Right now is scoring 12.6 points per game, dishing out 4.6 assists to 2.8 turnovers per game, shooting splits of 60.7% from two, 53.3% from deep. He's also been pretty much on fire and then 62.5% from the free throw line. That's concerning. It's always concerning to me when the free throw numbers, the percentage and the three point percentage are like really off. If you're under 70% as somebody who doesn't play center, then yeah, that's concerning, but maybe that'll iron itself out. He's only taken 1.6 per game. We'll see how that turns out. But a lot of people, including myself, We'll say this is Drew Holiday. You can see this very easily because not only is he efficient, not only is he a good point guard that's able to generate a lot of assists and create easy turnovers, but the main thing is on defense, where this might be the best point of attack defender in this draft class. He really knows how to get in your face. He is fantastic at defending point guards. I do not know if he can scale up the way Drew Holiday is. I think that's one thing that people kind of forget is Drew Holiday is able to guard point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards. You've seen him guard KD before in the playoffs, and that's incredibly underrated. I don't know that Kaysen Wallace can do that, but he definitely can guard ones and twos and just stay attached to them and make life absolutely miserable out there on the court while also having this incredibly efficient game, 60% from 250. 53.3% from both two-point and three-point range. That is exactly what you want in somebody that has that point of attack defense and has complementary skills to your superstars. 
and can score a lot is like borderline a star themselves. 67.3% true shooting percentage that will probably iron itself out, even itself out as the season wears on. But as a Drew Holiday-like player, yeah, you definitely want this as somebody who's number one, number two. And again, going back to the Cal Clamps, this is somebody that profiles a little bit, a little bit, a little bit like uh, Tyrese Maxey as well, came out of Kentucky, who people were like, I don't know, didn't shoot it well, like, ah, I don't know, it seems like kind of a tweener in between here, whereas Kaysen Wallace already comes in with this fantastic defense, already seems to be shooting it very deep, and everything from the Bahamas trip till right now, been one of the more consistent guys on the Kentucky roster. It's easy to buy into Kaysen Wallace as the next Drew Holiday type guard. All right, now that we're in the top 10, it's time to get even more serious. Jairus Walker comes in at number 10 for me. This is somebody I really, really liked as well just because of the defensive versatility. Listed at six foot eight, 235 pounds, 240 pounds. I've seen him listed at either. Definitely is the swollest member of this top 30. At least I think so, in my opinion anyway. Right now is averaging 12.4 points per game, pulling in seven rebounds, 1.6 assists to one turnover per game. Shooting splits of 52.5% from two-point range, 41.7% from three, and then 71.4% from the free throw line. Defensive versatility is the name of the game with Jairus Walker, number one. Able to switch at that power forward position. Able to hold up well on people that you think would be stronger than him. Can switch out a little bit onto guards. I do not know, though, if he'll be able to scale up to the five position. He has bounced. Jairus Walker has bounced, but uh, it's not incredibly explosive. Not like the quote-unquote generational, you know, monster bounce, jump out of the gym. Whatever phrase people use to denote that this person really has high. Jairus Walker isn't quite at that level. Does have really good dunks on the highlight reel. Does have really good dunks from the dunker spot position, but not somebody that's really getting up there every single time. Laterally, again, moves pretty well. I'm not sure if he'll hold up against like top-notch point guards to where this is somebody that has four-position defensive potential, but definitely at least three-position defensive potential where you're able to throw him out there and he can handle wings, he can handle power forwards, maybe able to handle some centers in the NBA with the way small ball goes. Like in the Warriors' death lineup, I think this is somebody that at his peak would that peak potential would be somebody that could just unlock Steph and Clay for another 10 years. Who knows? Especially shooting it from deep like that, 41.7%. This is something he didn't really show that well in high school just because he didn't take a ton of attempts from three, but did take a bunch in the mid-range. Was able to tack off the dribble as well as bully ball people. So that is great that he's able to do that. And the main thing to me that has been the most impressive with Jarris Walker thus far is he's the second leading scorer for a veteran-laden Houston team. Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd were the top scorers last year. Well, Sasser was hurt, so he didn't get to play a full season. But everybody knew going in that Sasser was going to be the guy. He's a legit shooter, can put up a ton of threes and able to shoot them at a good volume. Struggling right now, 28.6%, but he'll get it back up. 4.6 free throw attempts per game, 82.6%. 
and then dishing out three assists. So that's good. But Shed really hasn't been the scorer that he was last year, only 7.2 points per game, and he's played all five games. And Walker's been the one to step up. Jermon Mark, Jawan Roberts are just behind Walker, 10.6 points per game for Mark and then 9.4 for Robert. So already Jairus Walker is separating himself from the pack by being able to not only be really versatile on defense, but show like, hey, I have more in my scoring bag than what people thought was the high school teammate of Keontae George. So Keontae George took a lot of shots as well. Jairus Walker is somebody that I really like. And one of the easier bets in this draft, I would think, with that versatility, with a game that can be primary scorer, that can be uh, secondary scorer, excuse me, not primary scorer, but that can be supplementary and continue to be ultra-efficient while being able to do a bunch of different things on defense. Jairus Walker at 10 can go higher depending on what happens coming up with people like my number nine and the overall prospect, and that is Amen Thompson. I understand the case for Amen Thompson at third overall. Amazing athleticism, amazing passer at six foot seven, around 198, 200 pounds, somewhere in there. Currently is averaging 16.7 points per game in the three games that Overtime Elite has played so far. Six assists per game and is able to shoot 56.7% from two-point range. And again, that athleticism shows up in a variety of different ways, whether it is being able to catch lobs when he's off ball. is mainly the point guard right now, though, so able to shake, drive, get in there, and just throw it on some monster dunks and transitions. Or in the half court, it always shows up. And my concern for him, though, is is just the, the shooting. I mean, the shooting is where everybody's going to talk about it. It's what I talked about in episode number two of the podcast ever, Does Shooting Even Matter?, but to come back to those shooting concerns with Amen so far, 16.7% from three. That's right. That is 16.7% from three-point range. So not even in voting age yet from three-point range. And then 45.2% from the, or excuse me, 90% from the free throw line. So that is a positive indicator. Was five for five in their first game and then five for six in their third game with overtime elites so the shooting numbers are wild in their sway not even 20 percent from three but 90 percent from the free throw line it's really hard to know what the shooting concerns are um, i don't really know how to put it at this point because yeah i believe that amen thompson can get to the free throw line and knock him down it just seems like that's been something that he's worked at that so far has been really consistent but then the three point is just the opposite of that like every one of them that he puts up I just never think it's going in he's only hit two three pointers so far despite taking 12 of them I I don't really know where to go by this point with the shooting just to say that it's a long term thing with Amen for sure It just really hasn't shown up that much between last year and this year. But the athleticism pops so much. And like I said in that second episode, maybe that doesn't even matter. Like maybe it doesn't matter that he's shooting this poorly from three because Giannis doesn't shoot that well either. And Giannis is this amazing athlete. Amin's not the same big body freak that the Greek freak is. But at six foot seven, 200 pounds, if this is a point guard that has that kind of bounce, that has a live 
five dribble passing ability, rebounds well, knocks down free throws like the shooting just seems to be maybe the cherry on top. So we don't even have to worry about the fact that he's not much of a shooter. I, I understand, again, I understand the idea behind, hey, this is a point guard with this gigantic athleticism that can pass the ball with the best of them. It's just everything else. And I think the draft deck guys said it the best when they talked about Amon Thompson in their episode that all of the shot that they saw in film was like just three pointers and, and dunks at the rim. And as a point guard, that's even more concerning. Like what I just talked about with Brandon Miller as a wing, I think you can get away with that a little bit more because you don't have the ball in your hands that much unless you're like LeBron or Kawhi. But as a point guard and as the primary person with the ball in your hands, if the defense already knows, like, oh, once they get inside the two-point arc, they're just going to try to dunk it and they don't have anything else, that's a big concern. You have to have something else to be able to keep defenses honest and be able to get your teammates even more open if they have to commit more double teams to you in the mid-range. I mean, we saw with John Morant. The reason John Morant's been able to take that next level up in terms of his development is just being able to get that floater game. So I'm in uh, right now at number nine. I just can't bump him up over guys like the number eight prospect nick smith jr out of arkansas currently out with a knee injury he's one of three on this list that i'm bummed out haven't played at all as i'm sure most of you are in nba draft nerd land like myself profiles to me like somewhere as a tyrese halliburton not the level of point guard, but the knocks on Nick Smith Jr. are like, oh, six foot five, 185 pounds, looks too skinny out there. And also, uh, I'm not sure how much of a finisher he is. He's Nick Smith Jr. is definitely more athletic than Tyrese Halliburton, I think, in my opinion. But the same things come with him out of his high school tape that came out of Tyrese Halliburton's college tape of like, ah, I'm not sure he can finish. The numbers there seem really low, but is a really good jump shooter. Is able to get that jump shot just about jump shot just off about anywhere that he can and also has a fantastic floater already i think that shot separates him from a lot of other people like amen right behind him that he's able to get that off anywhere and everywhere six foot five 185 pounds he's not like super tall but tall enough to where when he fully extends with that floater it really messes people up and they can't get up there and get it and then oh by the way has a very good jump shot that he's able to get off off the dribble off the catch that could be this supplementary scorer that also can put up 18 to 20 points per game and oh by the way has these struggles inside the line that maybe might not matter depending on who the teammate they pair him with like right now you know Tyrus Halliburton Benedict Matherin that seems like a good combination where Matherin can drop the hammer get in there more and also is able to shoot the three whereas Tyrus Halliburton is more of this you know finesse game off the dribble and able to set him up that way. Nick Smith Jr. is also a good passer. I don't think he's a point guard, though. I don't know that anybody's really putting that out there, but is a solid passer. Definitely not on the same level as a Tyrese Halliburton type of passer, but can dish out assists. He had over eight assists per game as a high schooler, so we'll see how that 
turns out, at Arkansas. They really relied on him for a lot of their offense in their summer tour over in Europe. So it's really a bummer that right now they haven't been able to have him out there to see what he can do. And so hopefully Nick Smith Jr. will get healthy soon. It's going to be hard for me with him and the two other guys that are currently injured right now to keep them this high on the list if they continue to stay out with injury because like the number seven guy coming up here, Keontae George has just been on fire since the summer and into the season has started. So Keontae George is listed at six foot four, 185 pounds of a man. He is like the thickest six foot four, 185 pounds I've ever seen. I keep thinking he's six four, like 205 because he looks like that for sure. Currently scoring 14.4 points per game, dishing out five assists to just 2.8 turnovers. That's a big thing. 46.2% from two, 32.4% from three, and then 80% from the free throw line. The three-point numbers look odd, but he's taking 7.4 three-point attempts per game. Baylor has played five games. He's taken 37 threes already. I mean, that's a lot. And Baylor's known to put up a bunch of threes. LJ Cryer's taken 42. Adam Flackler's taken 35. So this is a team that wants to put him up. And that 37 from Keontae George is second on the team. So as a freshman, being able to handle a major scoring load, as well as being able to handle a major playmaking load, that was the one thing that people really were concerned about with Keontae George was this is point guard size at 6'4", 185 pounds, but at IMG Academy alongside Jairus Walker, he didn't really pass that much. I think he averaged under like two assists per game, if I remember correctly. And people were like, uh, is this somebody that has to be like Bradley Beal if they don't pass that well? Uh, not a point guard size, but has this amazing shooting ability. But so far, 25 assists to 14 turnovers. Fantastic. Has really taken care of the ball. Put up a ton of shots. Overall field goal percentage right now is 38% from the entire field, 38.1. So that's going to be the concern now is this is just a Chucker, can he be able to take a little bit more efficient shots? And we'll see how that goes further on down the line. 51.3% true shooting percentage. People that really buy into the advanced stats are not going to like that part of it and say, like, oh, can he take better three-point attempts as we move further along? But this is somebody that absolutely profiles as a lead scorer with the way he's able to put it up. Really led the Baylor team in that um, world jam that they did over the summer. Was able to put up over 30 uh, in one game. Just somebody that has an amazing jump shot that can get off anywhere and everywhere. Maybe I buried the lead on Keontae George with that. But his jump shot is picture perfect, off the bounce, off the dribble, coming off screens, out of pick and roll. Like he just has, you just see it. You see it in every single way that this is somebody that knows how to work his jump shot in a variety of different ways. Has practice it so, so much that, yeah, you buy into him as a primary scorer with that jump shot. And now with the passing ability, oh yeah, he's got it all. Defensively on Baylor, we'll see how that plays out as the the season moves along. But again, this might be an area where maybe this isn't the best context to be able to judge that in. Uh, Cryer, LJ Cryer, and Adam Flagler play major minutes, and they're both smaller than Keontae George. Cryer six foot one, Flagler six foot three. 
I believe they play Dale Bonner too, who's six foot two, one hundred and seventy. So a lot of times Keontae's been able to go over to the three spot, maybe the two spot. They play these three guards and even four guard lineups at times. So again, maybe this isn't the best context in which to say like, oh, he's terrible on defense. It's like, well, yeah, maybe he is because he's playing power forward right now in this four guard lineup. But we will see. My main thing with him is just is he going to hold up in man to man defense? Does he get bowled over? Does he get blown by? If not, then I think it'll be fine, and he should be better when he's actually able to guard his own position. And then at number six is somebody that I will definitely pump up this entire draft cycle because I really love everything that I've seen both on and off the court so far and just the research that I've been able to do on him. And that's Gregory Jackson II. We all know him as Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, reclassified late to be able to come into college basketball. Originally committed to North Carolina, but after the reclassification, excuse me, went over to South Carolina to be able to play right away. Right now he's leading South Carolina with 16.2 points per game, 8 rebounds so far, 1.4 assists I mean, excuse me, 1.4 steals per game, and then shooting splits of 46.3% from two, 36.8% from the three-point line, and then 62.5% from the free throw line. Gigi is listed at six foot nine, two hundred and fifteen pounds. This is a power forward, and then the other—he could definitely play another position. What the other position would be? Most people would say center. I think he might even be able to slide over to the three because he is athletic enough to do it, in my opinion. Can attack off the dribble some. Has shown that. Has a mid-range pull-up game, which was surprising to me because I hadn't seen too much of that when I looked in the film. But this is definitely somebody that steps onto the court and makes an impact in a bunch of different ways. Defensively, they haven't really asked him to play center yet so far. Uh, That's mainly been Josh Gray's job there. They've more or less asked Gigi to stay at the power forward spot a lot. Again, can create some can get after on defense it's definitely athletic enough ladder laterally and vertically to block shots be a weak side rim protector be able to slide his feet and guard multiple positions the main thing with gg though is incredibly raw and i mean there's no other stat that shows it best right now than his two assists to 15 turnovers but my my response to that and anybody that would scoff at Gigi being number six, he's 17 years old. He won't turn 18 until December 17th, I believe, of this year. I mean, this is somebody, again, that should be getting ready for prom, that should be doing things as a senior in high school that we've all done, but is out there on the court right now learning and leading his team in scoring in shot attempts, second in three-point attempts, he's second in free throw attempts, is the leading rebounder, is also leading the team in steals, and then leading the teams in turnovers, Of unfortunately. Again, this is somebody further ahead in their development. You should not underrate them. When run to rate players like this that make that jump earlier than everybody else and have these traits that show, oh, they can lead their team. Yeah, they're going to have mistakes. But again, this is unprecedented territory. I made this argument with Jalen Duren last year where people were like, ah, he's limited, whatever. He doesn't know what he's doing. But this was Jalen Duren was somebody that led Memphis, Memphis in points and shot attempts and free throw attempts and rebounds and blocks. If you're a limited player, you 
don't lead your team in a bunch of different statistical categories. And yeah, Gigi's going to make mistakes. He's going to miss rotations. He's going to turn the ball over a lot. But this is a 17-year-old kid right now being asked to lead a team and create a lot of offense. And the SEC, where there's a ton of really good athletes, uh, hasn't gotten an SEC play yet, but that's something I think that needs to be factored in. And also, like, the rawness, that's something you should just iron out as you go along, like with Giannis, like with these other players, like the Thompson Twins. The Thompson Twins are, are raw as well in a lot of different areas, like the shot. So I think we should apply that same thinking to Gigi Jackson. And you don't see many six foot nine, 215 pounds guys attack off the dribble, be able to pull up in the mid-range and knock down shots like this so far. I mean, his shooting, true shooting percentage is 50.2%. It doesn't look great, but he's having to take a ton of a ton of tough attempts right now. He's having to create a ton of offense on his own. And the last thing I'll say for Gigi Jackson is there is a video by Matt Dowell on YouTube. It's Gigi Jackson's first press conference as a Gamecock. I will link that in the description. A lot of the things that I've seen on him in terms of interview and other off-the-court stuff really show maturity, especially in this interview where Gigi talks about you know the other leaders on this team. How they kind of keep putting him in check, how he's been dunked on, how he's trying to get better, making sure he maintains the right weight. It's just things that you don't normally hear from a 17 year old and they're not canned responses either too you know how normally if you listen to a lot of these draft processes like yeah i'm trying to get better yeah i'm gonna work hard yeah i'm here for the team these are more like i understand i'm 17 and these guys are gonna clown on me but i also know they're my teammates so i'm trying to get better here and i also understand that this is a struggle i'm not gonna come in here and dominate uh, south carolina but i'm also not gonna come in here and lay down for everybody that's going to come through i'm going to make it a fight along with my teammates so i really like everything in gg jackson's profile so far shooter looks good from three looks good in the mid-range good athlete to be able to attack on defense and offense and i would buy into a coaching staff like my pistons to iron out the rawness of it and if you play along point guard like kate cunningham then yeah he's going to get you easy shots as well all right, coming in at number five in this top five is Cam Whitmore. Forward out of Villanova is listed at six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Unfortunately, is out with an injury now. I am uncertain when he is going to return, but the MO on Cam Whitmore is explosive forward as good bounce is able to attack off the dribble is able to bully ball inside the two-point arc, can rebound, can pass a little, but definitely explosive forward, six foot seven, 232 pounds. Shooting is the main concern for Cam Whitmore. Can he shoot it from deep well, is able to put it up some, but not really at high volume, was mainly reliant on that athleticism. And his size to be able to bully people in high school, did play over the summer at the FIBA U18s, and I believe won tournament MVP. And there he put up a ton of points, 112 points across one, two, three, four, five, six games, put up 30 points against Brazil in the final there to win the championship at the U18s was eight of 10 from two point range, four of eight from three, and then two of four from the free throw line. Across all these games in FIBA competition, he shot 10 of 22 from three point range. That's 45.5%. But Cam Whitmore shot 
10 of 16 from the free throw line, 62.5%. So again, one of those do the free throw number and the the three-point number line up at all. And mainly did most of his damage from two-point range was 36 of 51 from inside the two-point arc. That's going to be the thing. Is this somebody that is mainly going to be inside the two-point arc, doesn't attack that much from three? Like, what is the comp there? I know what the comp has been talked about before, but I am not going to bring up the name that has been said before. Explosive forward at six foot seven, 232 pounds. So we will see. Hopefully he can get on the court more to answer some of these shooting concerns, but definitely profiles as somebody that can be on the defensive end too, a terror with that size and with that strength. Can he move laterally to stay with point guards? Is he going to have multi-positional defensive versatility to guard guards as well as forwards? Maybe can be a small ball, five with that athleticism. A lot of interesting things will be answered once Cam Moore gets on the court again. Please, Cam, get soon, get well soon so we can see you out there. Next at number four is, oh man, I really have a hard time with three and four right now because I like both of these players, but one of them hasn't played really at all. So I'm just going to tell you three and four for me right now. Four, I have Asar Thompson. Derek White has just, just edging him out right now but it's really hard for me not to bump up Asar to number three I like Asar a lot better than I like Amen you look in their preseason and like I don't know that Asar hit a three-point shot but he took a ton more than Amen and that to me was something that it was a positive indicator at least because everybody knows the shooting concerns and I've said before a couple times the only way to get better at things like that a lot of times is to do it under light fire and to have that Giannis gene again the Giannis gene to me is being able to do it and do it again and again to know it's the process I don't care if I shoot terribly I don't care if it looks bad now this is to help me get better and to understand it's part of the process that will help me get better it's the only way to do it is to do it under live fire and so far in the three games that Asar has played this season is shooting 41.7% from three is able to drain five of 12 attempts I believe yeah five of 12 from three so far in the three games so yeah that's a major improvement already shown and it's not just the numbers to me the shooting mechanic difference between Amen and Asar is Asar seems to understand okay I need to master being a spot-up shooter first, whereas Amen's trying to take them off the bounce. But even in their standstill, I just think there's something about Asar's mechanics that seem to be more consistent, that seem to just be a whole lot better. Again, I'm not this. This is like kind of the barbershop here. We're just riffing. There's something about Asar's shooting that I just always feel more confident in, and it just looks better and not as stiff as Amen. I think that's just the main thing for me. Amen's jumper still looks stiff and mechanical, like you see the gears turning, whereas Asar just seems to be a little bit more natural 
of a shot and not like he has to really think about it. Also, Asar is scoring 20.3 points per game right now. Has definitely been on fire. And 4.3 assists, while it's not as great as his brother, and he's not the live dribble passer and has the ball handling of a point guard like his brother, it's still very good. And he can attack off the dribble. Asar can. It's just not to that level of point guardness. This is somebody that is more of a functional handle. Also has really good athleticism. Uh, both of the twins have really good athleticism to be able to get up and catch lobs and dunk. And I think Asar, that's partially why I like Asar a lot more, too, is he is somebody who can cut really well, does a lot of other things off ball, hasn't really started setting screens, but I think that is something at six foot seven, 205 that could be there. But as this other off-ball player that has a functional handle that can get up there and get lobs, that you can put him in the corner. He's going to drain that shot. They're going to have to close out hard on him. And then when they do, he can use that athleticism to get around it, to get up and get a lob. This just unlocks so much more. And I didn't talk about Amin's defense because both he and uh, Asar have really good multi-positional defensive versatility. That's the one thing that I really believe in for both of them is these are guys that can guard one through four probably because they have that athleticism, the bounce to be able to get up to stop power forwards that can do that. The lateral movement ability to be able to hang with point guards and they really really show that in the film too that they're always willing to get after it on defense I really love that about both Thompson twins but I think Asar can be this creator you can rely upon to get points easily like he's done so far 20.3 as I profiled in the second episode, too, he has this awesome hook shot where it's impossible to defend once he perfects it because he has such long arms and it's on the opposite side of his body that you really have to jump over there and get it. Things like that, as well as the cutting, as well as being able to at least knock down catch and shoot threes. I really like Asar for just this all around potential that also can be developed into being a reliable scorer, one of your main weapons and and one of your main options on offense. Why Derek Whitehead edges him out at number three is just the shot creation ability is for real, is legit. It did it more within the mid-range. Derek Whitehead's listed at six foot seven, two twenty now. Originally I saw him listed at six foot six, one ninety, so we'll see how that goes. Height watch, size watch as the season wears on. But I really believe in Derek Whitehead as a shot creator, number one. His jump shot is awesome. He's able to get up and elevate and release at the top of his jump and you just see him get it off in a variety of different settings off the dribble in in pick and roll it's really hard for me to shake that because it just seems like this is somebody that is tailor-made to operate in pick and roll that is tailor-made to be a primary offensive option with a good handle that knows how to attack defenses athletically like i've kind of seen a bunch of different things about people saying he's a good athlete he's kind of below average he's kind of average i really don't see anything that shows that he's going to get blown by or get run over or anything like that seems to be a fine defensive guy too as well we'll see how that irons itself out at duke and how that ends up playing out I, I the the defensive questions to me are just is he because when I saw six foot six one ninety my number one thing was like 
Is this somebody that can guard small forwards? Because that's six foot six, one ninety, you're you know smaller, six seven, two twenty. That's a big difference in in size. If he can guard threes, then keeping him at number three to me is a no brainer because then he has size at defense to be able to handle the wing position, which is incredibly helpful, especially as you get further and further into success and into the playoffs. And then as a shot creator, maybe somebody that could be like a Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton isn't talked about enough, in my opinion, with the defense and with that shot creation then yeah i definitely want to draft that guy high up i really like to Whitehead. hopefully he just started getting back in the lineup working himself back from a foot injury i believe so hopefully get more minutes and start to iron himself out he's another one i don't have any numbers on because of that and i'm not going to give the numbers so far just because he hasn't really done anything uh let's see how many minutes he's played so far is 16 minutes. I mean, what can you do in 16 minutes? Again, hopefully he will stay healthy and we will see him just continue to get better and flash those skills as a shot creator. Now on to the main event of the top two picks. It almost feels anticlimactic this year anytime somebody gets out their big board because we all know who one and two are. Victor Wembanyama is the top spot. Scoot Henderson is right behind him. And it's hard to find more things to say about both of these guys because they are incredibly gifted, incredibly skilled basketball players and also very athletic guys. It's just (laughs) running out of superlatives for them. Right now, Scoot Henderson, the number two overall prospect on this top 30, is shooting 48% from the entire field in the G League with the G League Ignite. Shooting 47.1% from three-point range. He's definitely come out swinging, saying, all right, people thought I was shooting concerns. I shot 17.4% last year from three. I'm going to work on that. And then 70.6% from the free throw line. 5.8 assists to just 2.8 turnovers fantastic splits there as well and oh by the way scoring 21.2 points per game again you cannot say enough good things about his ability to create as a point guard both off the dribble for his teammates and now working on that three has athleticism been comp to people like Derek Rose and John Wall you see it defensively still has stuff to work on as a young guy only listed at six foot two 195 pounds so it has to show to be a really good point of attack defender at the point guard position I don't know what his wingspan is if his wingspan's bigger than maybe he can guard twos but right now has to be able to show he can guard point guards that's really the thing right now it's just the defense what's the defense going to look like he's already addressed his shooting concerns so far the free throw percentage looks lower but it's not that big of a deal it really hasn't shown itself to be something before I think if there was one thing like you wanted to really dive into and look further into Scoot Henderson's film is the free throw numbers right now only averaging 2.8 per game you would think somebody with his creation ability with his craftiness and how he scores and that athleticism to attack the, the basket he'd be getting in the free throw line more that's definitely something to look into further as we go along but you cannot say enough good about Scoot Henderson I'll just be saying that all all season along with the number one prospect Victor Wembanyama. currently let's see what he's listed at right now Seven foot four, two hundred forty pounds. I know he did a uh, interview courtside at an NBA preseason game. I want to say I think it was the the Laker game, and he said that he was seven foot four, so straight from the horse's mouth. 
I am hoping, hoping, hoping that it is true he has an eight foot wingspan because that would just be awesome to see. And I mean, that's seven foot four, 240. If you knew nothing about him, you would already marvel at the physical attributes. But this is somebody that can create off the dribble is scoring 22.3 points per game right now shooting 50.8% from the field, 31.6 from three, and then 76.5% from the free throw line, getting into the line 6.3 times per game, which is a lot in European play. That means you are getting contact, pulling 8.8 rebounds per game right now, 2.3 assists to 2.5 turnovers, almost even there. The passing is what has been surprising people, came out of the gates passing better than what people thought the concerns are going to be health I know he's been dinged up and had some minor injuries in the past I believe it was Ricky O'Donnell who put together like a list of injuries Ricky O'Donnell of SP Nation in Wembenyama's past and you look at him he's not you know the buffest of players he looks a little skinny that's always going to be the thing and every every time there's a player that is this tall you're always going to be concerned about injuries and we've just had too many doomed from the start by injuries whether was Ralph Sampson, Greg Oden, Yao Ming, once, especially the lower body injuries. Once lower body injuries set in these bigger players, it's just hard for them because of all that weight that they're bearing. But, I mean, again, you can't say enough. Seven foot four, 240, creates like a wing. You see him pull up these one-footed three-point floaters. You see him being able to tack off the dribble. You see him getting better and better with his passing. And everything that people said about Chet with the defensive versatility of switching, of just being so tall and a natural shot blocker that just can erase everything there. And he's just so long and lanky and instinctual and understands defensive positioning and how to attack with that size he's blocking 3.1 shots per game right now shot creator freakish size being able to be the anchor of your defense what's not to love about victor Wembanyama? so this one did go longer uh, almost like we're at about 51 and a half minutes here but you know how much i love draft prospects especially at the top of this draft there are some guys that really 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 get me excited and i love to see i really want to see cam whitmore i really want to see nick smith i really want to see Derek whitehead get out there and do it more to iron out these prospect or iron out these rankings more because man they they do have great potential it's just a shame we haven't been able to see quite everybody yet so let me know what you think of this big board in the comments as always like share subscribe all those things to the podcast who couldn't do this without viewer support and we'll be returning next time looking into more individual player prospects thinking about certain player types in the in this draft class as well not just looking at things like oh who's the best defender who's the best shooter some other things i've, I've kind of come up along the way and probably some more not necessarily piston specific things but definitely that make me think of piston related draft stuff i mean right now pistons ain't looking so hot Cade, please get better we're all praying that your stress fracture is all good sending out thoughts and prayers in regards to that 
Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> we'll be talking draft. And I do think the Pistons are a good one to think about with the draft because they already have their primary superstar. They have another young, really good potential guys in Jay Nivey, in Jalen Duran that you definitely want to invest in for a couple different seasons. And then they have good filler pieces in Sadiq Bay and in Isaiah Stewart. And Killian Hayes is starting to come around now that it's like, okay, how do we draft to be able to continue? Continue to go up, but be able to supplement the guys that we already have out here. Because, I mean, a lot of the teams at the top of the draft are like that now. Even Oklahoma City has Shea Gillis Alexander, who's looking fantastic, like almost MVP type candidate. And then they still have Chet there. Poku is coming up. So these are good teams to think about. Yeah, obviously you're going to get Wembenyama and Scoop. But what happens when they go down to three and below? How are they going to think about the way to attack the draft and what really they should prioritize in order to not only just get the best player available, but be able to fit guys that already fit next to their superstars. Uh, yeah, has so much for listening. Can't wait to be talking more drafts soon and be on the lookout for our next episode. Uh, yeah, and I will see you next time. Hagone.